Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. My name is Nico Bakulich. And I am Lauren O'Neill. And now it's time for Getting Biblical. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. our catchphrase, right? Yep, that's the one. Got it. Um, Nailed it. So glad that we've done this like 50 times before and you know the catchphrase perfectly yep. now I at this point. I am a smart boy. Um so, uh, what do you got to know to get into this podcast? I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. I am now an atheist. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Also, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. And it is not for children. Uh, this this one's not not terribly upsetting. Well. <laughs> okay. So, look. It's a blanket warning. You don't have to qualify it every time. Okay. That's the point of a blanket okay. warning. Um. Uh, there's always cussing, so it's never her children. I'm reading the NRSV. You are reading the NIV. True. So different versions of the Bible. Things may be slightly different. Yes. And uh, today we're talking about the book of Mark. That's right. This is the uh, second book in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, also the second book in the New Testament. Also the second M gospel. What does that mean? Well, there was Matthew and then there's Mark. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Very important. Um. This is probably the first one written, though. Okay. Um, Are you trying to backdoor your way into fast facts right now? Oh, yeah, I am. We always use the front door on this podcast. <laughs> okay. This is not a deviant podcast. Uh, yeah, fast facts. Second book, first written. Um, people used to think that it was like a summary of Matthew. Okay. And that's why they put it after Matthew. But actually, now we think that. Matthew was written based on Mark, mm. plus some other sources. Mm. Um, the real author is, of course, unknown, but it's traditionally thought to be uh, John Mark, who might be the same person as Mark the Evangelist um, and worked as an assistant to Peter and or Paul. It's kind of hard to know because John was like the most common Jewish name at the time mm. and Mark was like the most common Roman name at the time. So John Mark sounds like. A fashion designer <laughs> or like a famous photographer. I don't think he would be glad to hear that. Um, and I'm just telling it like it is. Although it's written earlier than Matthew, um, it might be addressed to Gentiles. Mm. You know, Matthew is addressed to Jews and like trying to convince Jews that. Dear Jews. <laughs> that Jesus. Jesus. Fulfills the Old Testament prophecies. This one may be more addressed to Gentiles because um, there's a there's a part where he explains like what a Jewish, the specific Jewish sacrifice thing mm-hmm. is. So presumably if he were addressing it to Jews, he wouldn't need to explain it. Um, and of course the Romans are large and in charge right now. Mm-hmm. Um, They're so hot right now. <laughs> they are uh, ruling over Judea. That's that's where our story begins. Normally I would say it begins in the year zero, but actually Mark kind of begins uh, around the year 30, AD mm-hmm. 30. Um, and for this episode, uh, we're going to focus on the miracles that Jesus performed and his death and resurrection. So like the Easter story. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about maybe how Mark is different, but we're going to be trying to focus on those particular aspects of the story because the three synoptic gospels gospels have a lot of overlap. Yes. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, and synoptic means lookalike. I mean, sin eyes, as we established last time. <laughs> yes. So, uh, no virgin birth here. No, no birth at all. Uh, no genealogy. Mm-hmm. 
leading up to you know Jesus' father Joseph, uh, we uh, we just start with John the Baptist. Yeah, chapter one. You can tell that that's probably because the virgin birth is not part of Jesus's lore yet. Oh, you think so? Yeah. So, like, you know, we know in the in the Old Testament, a Messiah is like a holy man right. chosen by God, but isn't uh, the Son of God and isn't God Himself. Right. And so, like that that Christian doctrine builds up over the years. So at the point that Mark was written, um, might not be part of the story yet. But, but aren't we talking a difference of like 20 years or something between the Gospels? Um, well, Mark was probably written, oh man, I didn't write it down. I think like AD 60 mm-hmm. or 70. So it's like 20 or 30 years before Matthew. Okay. Um, so, you know, 20, 30 years is like... I guess that's a significant period of time in the evolution of a cult. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. Right, right. And of course, we know from Matthew that that he was using the virgin birth to fulfill this prophecy from Isaiah, mm-hmm. um, which if you look at the actual prophecy in Isaiah is like not actually saying that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Mm-hmm. So actually, Mark does start with him fulfilling a prophecy from Isaiah, but it's a different one. Right. And actually, it's from Malachi, but he says it's from Isaiah. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> Sloppy work, boy. Yeah. Um, but the story of John the Baptist uh, baptizing him is pretty much the same as in Matthew. Mm-hmm. He gets dunked on. He gets dunked on in the Jordan River. Uh, God comes down from heaven or like, the you know, the clouds part and light shines down and, and God says, this is my son. Um, and then Jesus goes to the desert and is tempted by Satan, although we don't get any details here. Yeah, it's that I could see why somebody would think this was a summary. Yeah, because it's very sketchy on the details. Yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, he went into the desert and he was tempted by Satan. So anyway, it's like one then sentence he came out of the desert. Yeah, I was like, well, I guess successful. Nothing about fasting, um, fasting, furiousing, none of that. <laughs> none of that. Mm-hmm. We get the same first four disciples which are Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Yeah, they get invited to be fishers of men. Fishers of men. And then again, he goes... Catch the dangerous game of all. Yeah. Man. <laughs> they go to um, Capernaum, which again is the biggest, uh, like the closest big city to Nazareth. Um, starts preaching that the apocalypse is near. Now, in comparison to Matthew, he does not start off with the Sermon on the Mount in this version. Right. Well, although he... I think in Matthew, he did start with uh, the miracles first, right? Right. Unlike in Matthew, mm-hmm. in Mark, um, whenever he heals people, he tells them not to tell anyone. Yeah. And it becomes a running theme of his miracles in this book. Yes. And it's known as the messianic secret. Really? Yes. Um, that he's the Messiah, but he doesn't want everybody to know. But it's interesting. Be- I mean, like, I could see him being very secretive about the fact that he's got a direct line to God. Mm-hmm. So like only John the B knows. Mm-hmm. And then later only Peter and Simon. Um, well, the three, the three like best bro disciples the three are top disciples are Peter, James and John, Peter, James and John. They go to the transfiguration. Yeah. So only those like four other people have seen or like heard God say, this is my son. Yes. Um, so I understand being secretive about that knowledge, uh-huh. but everybody else is healing all the time. Yeah. Like the priests are healing. There are like uh, freelance exorcists and freelance healers out there. So why why is Jesus trying to keep it a secret? Well, I'll tell you. Oh. Historically, Jesus probably did say he was the Messiah mm. um, because there were a lot of people claiming to be the Messiah okay. at this time. 
Remember, in the Old Testament, the Messiah is not necessarily the son of God, necessarily yeah. the son of God. So people like it's like a political it's like you're you're like the king, you know, it's like you're going to rule over the the newly restored kingdom of Judah and Israel right. together again. Right. Um, and so people are claiming to be the Messiah, which means they're going to overthrow the Romans. They're going to take back Judea for the Jews. Right. And they're going to rule like God's kingdom. Like we were talking about on last episode, it's like a. It's a conjunction of political and religious yeah. destiny. It's like a theocracy yeah. type deal. In fact, the word theocracy was coined by the Jewish historian Josephus to describe Jewish rule. Oh, interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Um, so the Romans, of course, considered that treason mm-hmm. and would execute anybody who was leading this sort of me- movement, um, specifically by crucifying them. So Jesus would have a pretty big incentive to keep it secret because he would have been afraid of being crucified. To be crucified. Yeah. Reasonably. Yeah. So that might be historically accurate, actually, that he that told he... people he was the Messiah, but to keep it a secret. Got it. Um, I mean, at the very least, he would have been thrown in jail. Right. You know. So the messianic secret has more to do with him not wanting people to know he's the Messiah rather than not wanting people to know that he's healing and exercising correct although the bible twisted up a little bit (laughs) yeah Yeah, yeah, the bible kind of spins it so that it's like he's not bragging or whatever like right you know because he does have these uh teachings about you know pray in private Mm -hmm. you know give to the poor but don't brag about it and so it's it's kind of spun like but it's also confusing when he says don't pray for anything in particular but then later he says the way to achieve miracles is to pray for something in particular well (laughs) Look, there's you can, there's a lot of different types of prayer. Uh, I mean, I assume he's on an advanced level and he's offering like beginner level lessons to the kids. To the kids. Mm-hmm. These are little like white belts, you know, and he's like a master and he knows when to break the rules. Yeah, he's like, you know, bow to your sensei or whatever. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> that's Perfectly illustrating my point. That's what I assume mm-hmm. happens in karate class. Yeah, sweep the leg. Uh, Fucking crane style. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then recruits Matthew again. Same same fifth disciple here, um, mm-hmm. although Matthew is called Levi here. Um, so anyway, he keeps uh, healing people. He, he gets all 12 disciples. Right. He um, completes the Megazord or whatever. Yeah. Um, James and John get the nickname Boanerges here. Excuse me? Which means Sons of Thunder. <laughs> what? That's awesome. Um, oh, also, he keeps, like, whenever demons are possessing people mm-hmm. and he, like, exercises them, they the demons say he's the son of God, and he keeps telling them, like, okay, but keep it a secret. And right. I guess they do. I'm not sure why demons would. Everyone knows demons keep good secrets. <laughs> That's the main thing you need to know about demons. Um, he, he tells some parables, which we're not going to get into. We'll right. do that more next episode. Um, and then we get the miracle of uh, calming the storm. Yeah, this is a weird story. So we presume he's out at sea or by the sea. Well, he's on a boat in a lake giving a sermon. I see. So, But he falls asleep. Not yet. So basically, like, he has to, because the crowds are so large wherever he goes, mm-hmm. he has to, like, stand on a boat a little bit away from the shore right. so that the crowds can't like literally like crush him. Yeah. Um, and so he's giving a sermon from a boat. Um, and then as evening starts to fall, he, you know, he wraps up 
and they're like, okay, you know, sermon over. Uh, we're gonna go, you know, go go home. Right. Which means that's a wrap on Jesus for yeah. today. Yeah. Which means sailing across the lake to the other side, mm. um, to wherever they're staying. Um, so they start sailing. Jesus falls asleep. Because he's not rowing, I yeah. assume. Yeah, I mean. That's what he has disciples for. Yeah, that's what he has disciples for. Uh, a storm starts. Waves are crashing over the side of the boat um, till it, it, it's swamped is the, is the word that my Bible uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and the disciples wake him up and the exact quote is, teacher, don't you care if you drown? Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus wakes up. And he's pissed. He's like, <laughs> why are you waking me up for this trifling shit? Yeah. He says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Yeah. Like, if I'm here, a storm is not going to kill us. Like, yeah. do you know who I am? And he rebukes the storm. Rebukes the storm, calms it, and they keep sailing. So I've never realized this before, but I think this is very clearly a callback to Jonah. How, how, how so? Because remember, Jonah is asleep when the storm starts. True. And the sailors have to go wake him up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, like, he's the only one who knows what's up. And he's the only one who can pray to the actual God. And, and, and is able to calm the storm by, you know, sacrificing himself, jumping off. Yeah. Um, also, in the book of Matthew, Jesus kept saying, like, um, uh, you know, you priests keep asking for a sign from God that I'm the Messiah. But the only sign that will be given is the sign of Jonah. Um, which Jonah was in the belly of the whale and then came out on the third day. Right. And so that's like, yeah, Jesus is in the tomb, you know, and then comes back from the dead on the third day. Um, So you think it's a Jonah? I think it's I think I think we've got a Jonah situation. here. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> Joe, no. <laughs> Joe, no. Joe, yes. <laughs> uh, also, this is an instance of Jesus being uh sarcastic with his disciples absolutely um which you see throughout the gospels um and which gets very like no one ever talks about that in pop culture jesus Mm -hmm. he's always being super sarcastic to his disciples and like he's like almost like one of these you know oh i'm surrounded by idiots like uh, do i have no competent disciples warner brothers cartoon type of deal i really imagined him in this scene as kind of a uh Tom Sawyer type, you know, rolling down the river with a like a reed stuck in his mouth, hat pulled down over his head. Okay, that's Huckleberry Finn. But... I know. Huckleberry Finn is a Tom Sawyer type. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. I'm, I will never make that mistake again. Um, his disciples have to wake him up and he's like, you just have to believe. Yeah, you just have to believe. Now, when they get to the other side of the lake, mm-hmm. it's it's narrated as if like this is all happening like sequentially mm-hmm. but by the time they get to the other side of the lake it's got to be dark right because okay. it said like it was evening they were wrapping up to go home sure um so presumably it's you know at least mostly nighttime okay when they arrive and when they get there a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Mm-hmm. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So it's like fucking like nightfall and you've got this crazy like demon possessed tomb dweller. You got this spooky Frankenstein. Yeah, who runs up and it says it says he literally runs up and falls on his knees and shouts at the top of his voice. 
what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Right. This is the the demon talking. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what leverage the demon thinks it has. Like, why is he like, swear to God you won't torture me or what? Well, I think he's just pleading for mercy. He's just pleading for mercy. Yeah. Um, And Jesus asks the demon, what is your name? I'm not sure why that's relevant. Well, I mean, Jesus has been casting out demons for quite a while yeah, now. Yeah, and we've never seen him ask for a name. But presumably he's got the Rolo going, you know. What's the, the Rolo? The Rolodex. Oh, the Rolodex. Oh, yeah. so he wants to like look up. He's like, which demon am I dealing yeah, with here? Yeah, yeah, okay, you know, okay. Is this like a tier two demon? Right. Is this a tier three? Okay. God forbid a tier four? Maybe it's like like a used car salesman type of thing where it's like, I'm going to use your name a lot to kind of like pretend like we know each other. I see. Yes, of course. You know? It's classic social engineering. Yeah. He's like the only, and of course it's very important to know the true name of a demon when you're dealing with it. Is that true? Well, it's one of the ways you can gain power over demons oh. by knowing their true names. Is that a real like thing? Yeah. I've never heard that. I don't know anything about demons. Um, I, you know, I was raised like, uh, we, you know, that's, Demons, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. It's a little embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Anyway, the demon says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Mm -hmm. That's You'll see references to that in pop culture. Yeah, there's a TV show now called Legion. Oh, is there? About a superhero, yes. Oh, yeah, because that's the X-Man. multiple personality disorder. Yeah, Yeah, he's some sort of X-Man. There's some sort of X-Man named Legion. Um, There's a recurring Stephen King character. Mm. Who's like possessed by Legion? I think I don't know. Um, so yeah, whenever you whenever you hear that, that's from that's from Mister Bibble. That's from the Bibble. Mm-hmm. The demon slash demons uh, keeps begging not to be sent out of the area. Sure. And and he's like, okay, if you're gonna, he's got he's got a home. He's got. Kids yeah. in school. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to, you know, uproot the kids right. in the middle of the school year. No, that'd be horrible. And he's like, okay, if you're going to kick me out of this human that I've been using to wail around in the tombs and like cut itself. Spook people up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you at least just send me into the nearby herd of 2,000 pigs? Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, why is there a herd of 2,000 pigs? Jews should not be eating pigs. Well, it's a it's a multicultural landscape. Jews aren't the only ones that live there, of course. They live among Gentiles. In any case, Jesus, for some reason, grants this request. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'm not clear what leverage the demon has on Jesus. Um, and so he sends the, the demon, parentheses, S, into the giant herd of 2,000 pigs. Oh, they could also be, uh, I guess, wild pigs and boars don't naturally herd up well like they're not wild because mm. what happens is so they immediately run off a cliff into the river and drown mm. and then the people in the town are really unhappy because they're like um these like two thousand pigs cost like a jillion dollars like sure. can you imagine how much that would be worth back then yeah one jillion dollars yeah one jillion my, math, my math points at, at exactly one jillion dollars yeah <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm adding it up and it looks like an even jillion mm-hmm. um that would that would be like that would wreck a town. Yeah, that would wreck the, the town. Yeah. So Jesus is like, okay, fine. Um, sorry. <laughs> like, he just like gets back in the boat. Mm-hmm. And then they sail back across to the other side of the lake. Um, it's like, well, I can't. I burned down my bridges on that side of the lake. Yeah. Oh, and also the, the demon, the demon free man now begs to go with them. 
Um, but Jesus says, no, go tell everyone that mm-hmm. I healed you, which... Go tell it on the mountain. Not the messianic secret. He messed up here. If he had just kept this under wraps, maybe the centurions never would have known about him. Well, it doesn't matter because everyone he tells not to tell, tells anyway. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> so... He crosses back over to the other side of the lake, and there's a huge crowd. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still the same crowd. Like, I don't know what the, the timeline, timeline is here. Come on. Is it one like, day? Yeah. Is it like now it's dawn again? Like, mm. I don't know. I think he pulled an all-nighter? Maybe. Mm. Um, And there's this. He did take a good nap on the way over. That's true, yeah. But the poor disciples are probably, like, <laughs> super tired. I mean, they don't even have any, you know, Jesus juice. Or they have just enough? They have. Just enough. <laughs> it was a miracle. There was just enough Jesus juice to last for 12 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, there's this guy, Jairus. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. They're called heroes. <laughs> uh, he's in charge of like the local synagogue. Mm-hmm. And he asks Jesus to heal his dying daughter. Jesus agrees. Uh, they start heading over there. And on the way, this woman comes up who's had her period for 12 straight years honestly this is way worse than demon position or dying <laughs> <laughs> and like she really needs to be jesus's top priority right now mm-hmm. uh so she gets close enough just to touch jesus's cloak and is immediately healed and the weird thing is like jesus didn't do this voluntarily right um it says he quote realized that power had gone out from him this is Jesus juice. Yeah. We're developing a whole theory here. Mm-hmm. A metaphysical theory of juice. Uh, and she just. On juice and other essences. <laughs> and he says, who touched my clothes and looks around? He doesn't know. Yeah, because he's in a big crowd again. Yeah. I mean, you would think he would just magically know, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And um, the woman comes forward and admits it. And he says, like, oh, your faith was so great that you were healed. So then. um some people arrive to tell Jairus that his daughter is dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, very rudely. <laughs> yeah. So, of... Hey, guys, guys, don't even bother. That she's dead. Well, they're like, uh, your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? <laughs> and it's like, well, could you at least say like, oh, sorry, we have some bad news. Right. You know? <laughs> like... No, but Mark is is tightly edited. It's all cut to the bone. Um, like, why, <laughs> why leave that extra stuff strictly in Strictly need to know basis. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, you know, don't worry, just believe. They get to the house. Um, everyone's there, you know, grieving, like wailing, whatever. Um, he says, don't grieve. The child is just asleep. And they laugh at him. Um, I guess everyone in the lake area is just like really rude. <laughs> They're like, stop killing our pigs. You know, just. I mean, I think that's a reasonable request. Laughing at him. Um, but he goes into the room with the dead girl. Um, and it's just her parents, James and John with him um and he says like you know get up and she rises from the dead and starts walking around um and he's like okay great you know you're healed through your faith uh don't tell anyone and give her something to eat yeah (laughs) like she's gonna be hungry like give her you know get the graham crackers and the apple juice Mm -hmm. like you know when you donate blood it's very taxing (laughs) so Um, i was interested to find out that the story of Lazarus is not in every gospel. Correct. Because that's like the most famous, bring him back from dead. Yeah. Uh, let him walk and talk again. Yeah. Story. But apparently, he does a fresh one in every gospel. Apparently. Yeah. I didn't realize, I mean, I knew Lazarus wasn't in all of them, but I didn't realize there was like 
a bunch of other ones too. Right. I don't know. I guess is is Lazarus the only one with like a name, so that's easy to remember. Uh, maybe. Although I've definitely heard of Jairus's daughter before. Like Jairus is definitely a name, just not as big as Lazarus. Got it. I mean, he's a name, but <laughs> not as not as big. He's not like an A lister. <laughs> Lazarus, um, that's a get. <laughs> you got that that wattage mm-hmm. when you got when you get Lazarus. He's got that event. pop, that yeah. crackle, that spark. Um. Then Jesus goes back to his hometown, Nazareth, uh, to preach. My favorite part of the gospel consistently is this so far between these two books. And this one has a couple little bits of flavor that I that I like. But he goes back home. Everybody dumps on him. Yeah, people are not impressed. They're like, uh, why is everybody following that carpenter? Yeah. You know he doesn't have any magic powers, right? He's just like... He's just a guy. From our tiny little village. Yeah. And also, Jesus can't do miracles in his hometown. Because their faith isn't great enough. Yeah. He needs the he needs that faith power. Yeah. Um, And he says, only in his hometown is a prophet without honor. Which is so funny. It's like going back home after... I mean, that's a that's a very relatable thing, right? It is. Because you leave home, do your own thing, build your own life, and you come back to your hometown, and then suddenly it's like... You're back in all these old patterns. Yes. You're interacting with your parents like you're 15 again. It's all the old relationships and the same dynamics, and it's it, it, that's very relatable, except that he's, you know, the son of God. Something else really interesting is that, so people say, isn't this the carpenter? Mm-hmm. Um, notice they don't say, isn't this the carpenter's son? Right. Joseph is not mentioned. Right. And they say, isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't and his, his sisters. Aren't his sisters here with us? The sisters don't get names because, you know, they're women. Um, but it's really odd in the Bible to say that he's the son of a mother's name. Mm. Right. You're always the son of a father's name. Sure. Um, and, you know, Joseph was not mentioned at the beginning of this book. Right. That no virgin birth was mentioned. He's not even mentioned here as being a carpenter, a, a tecton, quote unquote. Um, so this might be indicating that, like, in the earliest stories of Jesus, like, Mary was unmarried. Ooh. But then how'd she have all those other kids? She may have been, you know. Widowed. Uh, uh, loose woman. What? Yeah. Wow. In fact, there's even one, like, legend or, like, this is from some writing from you know like the first century where they were i think they were trying to cast like uh doubt on jesus cast the role of mary for the broadway opening yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. and they uh one of the things they say is that uh jesus's father was a roman soldier who was traveling through the region and got mary pregnant and his name was panthera wow (laughs) yeah sweet (laughs) which like uh clearly uh very blasphemous from a christian perspective Mm -hmm. however it would be sweet if your dad was named panthera Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, so anyway, he sends out the 12 disciples like he did before, like gives them uh, powers to do miracles. Um, John the Baptist gets beheaded, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then we get to the miracle of the loaves and fishes. Yeah, I, this is an interesting miracle. It's actually not. It's a pretty boring miracle. Well, it's just everyone's heard it before. Right. So, you know, he's got he's got a big crowd. He's preaching. um, and starts to get laid, and the disciples are like, hey, you got to let these guys go because they got to go find food, you know. Um, and he says, no, just give them your food. And they're like, um, we have literally five loaves of bread and two fishes, and there's like a thousand people here. Yeah. And it would cost eight, five thousand. Eight, oh, five thousand. It would cost eight months' wages to feed the crowd, is what mm. they say. Um, and Jesus is like, no, just, just, uh, 
Just start breaking bread. Just, yeah, just start giving out the food and, and see what happens. And it, of course, they can just keep handing it out forever. And in fact, there's uh, 12 basketfuls of leftovers at the end. Mm. See, I like, although I've heard this miracle before and it's not like the most interesting one, I do like the sort of, uh, it's got a, a little bit of mundane magic to it. You know, like the fact that you would just start breaking bread and then you could just keep breaking it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's a... It's kind of like the the woman in um, with the oil um, that Elijah right. made infinite, you know, and he's like, no, just keep pouring the oil. Just keep pouring the oil. The magic isn't, you know, breaking open the clouds and a golden army coming down. Right. It's like you just keep breaking bread and focusing on the small things and they just sort of take care of themselves. Also, like he's ministering to the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that seems like... Really, like, the the most important miracle you could do for the poor is, like... Feed them. Feed them. And, like, heal them, mm-hmm. you know? Jesus is all about, like, free food for everyone, free health care for everyone. I won't get into politics, <laughs> but that's his deal. Um, And then he also... This is right where he uh, walks on water as well. Mm-hmm. So he... um. Disperses the crowd and they uh, he just he sends the disciples off in the boat to like go ahead of him. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the logistics here are. I think he was. So I think the boat was out to sea. I know this is going to be super riveting, but <laughs> the boat was out to sea. He was alone on land. Yeah. They were straining at the oars maybe to come pick him up. Yeah. They're like coming to pick so him up. He might have been out among the crowd. Healing but the, and, the wind is against them. Yeah. And so they can't. And also it says it's um, three in the morning. It says the fourth watch of the night. So I don't know why they're like, I don't, th- there's a lot of like nocturnal lake action <laughs> in the Bible. Nocturnal lake action? Yeah. Is that which one you go with? They're like, why are they, they're always like out on the lake, like late at night doing crazy things. It's so it's, it's three in I the mean, morning. that's country life, baby. <laughs> they're trying to get back to the shore and they can't because the wind's against them. And so he just like walks out on the water to go join them. Yeah. Um, and at first they're really scared. They think it's a ghost. And he's like, no, no, it's just me. Um, In Matthew... Jesus had Peter walk out on the water to meet him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, you can walk on water, too, if you have faith. Right. Um, and then, like, as soon as Peter got there, he, you know, he walked on the water. and He's like, whoa, crazy. But then he gets scared and it's like, you know, Wiley Coyote looking down mm-hmm. and he starts sinking. Um, but Jesus saves him. In this, Peter does not. There's no mention of Peter or any of the disciples walking on water. Just Jesus. Um, probably because it's an earlier story. Mm. Um, then, you know, uh, we'll just uh, summarize the next couple couple miracles um he exercises a non-jewish woman's daughter because her faith is so great even though he's very reluctant to because he's like no i'm only here for jews right heals a deaf mute man by uh putting his fingers in his ears and spitting in his mouth Mm -hmm. and then saying some magic aramaic words yes um i like when they drop in the the aramaic incantation like here are the words he said and then they translate it because it's like it's being written in greek so you know in the very original text, he's writing it in Aramaic and then saying, and in Greek, it means this. Um, oh, he does another fishes and loaves miracle. Mm-hmm. Just two of those. Um, this one, there's only seven baskets of leftovers. Come on. This thing is so tightly edited and they couldn't cut the redundant miracle. I know. What a waste of time. Uh, oh, he heals a blind man. This is interesting. So he likes, he lays hands on the blind man and spits in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like, can you see now? 
And the blind man's like, well, kind of. can kind of see, but everyone looks like trees. Everyone looks like trees. Which they I just think look... is a, a very beautiful image. Yeah. A very interesting way to reflect Super like, poetic. blindness or near blindness. And then Jesus puts his hands on his eyes again, and then he can see. Mm-hmm. I'm just really interested in the idea of like him like asking, oh, like, did this miracle work? Can you see yet? And then like, oh, it wasn't like, it was not quite powerful enough. Let me... Which speaks to the idea that Jesus might have actually been a healer, you know, like might have done some medicine. Maybe he had um, fish liver or something. Maybe he did. I mean, I'm sure he did. He's from the country. He's from the country. He's read Tobit. Mm -hmm. But um, there's also the idea kicking around Uh that Jesus might have had his healing powers might have been more along the lines of a of like a psychiatrist or a a therapist mm. that he's listening to problems and then trying to help people with with trauma or mm. with uh psychological problems that 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 might not with be distress yeah. physically and that can i mean the placebo effect is very real mm. you know um i don't think he could probably heal blindness with psychiatry but he's jesus There's you know who am i to say hysterical blindness hysterical blindness mm-hmm. that's when your womb travels to your head that's right blocks off your eyes yep um and then uh, the last one here before our break is that the disciples try to heal a demon-possessed boy. Yes. Um, and they can't do it. And it's really interesting because it describes his demon possession is like very clearly a seizure. Like the, it says. Since he was young. Whenever, he... whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. Mm-hmm. And it's just like so interesting. To have something so recognizable that like anyone in the modern world knows what that what that disease is. Right. Um, or what that see... symptom is. It could be a result of a yeah, variety yeah. of things. Yeah, yeah. Knows what that what that symptom is. And like, I don't know, it's just interesting to see something like, oh, yeah, we still have this. And here's how they thought about it 2000 years ago. Right. Um, Which and... is why you might be able to like get familiar with particular demons. You'd be like, oh, I've seen this demon before. Oh, he causes seizures or yeah. whatever. Hmm. Um, and the disciples are like, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus says, oh, this kind can come out only by prayer. So what the fuck were the disciples doing? I don't know. And also just, I also like that there's different kinds of demons. Mm-hmm. And that G- Jesus is building that, has been building that Rolo. Yeah. Dex. Yeah. <laughs> Should we take a break? Yes. I, there are more miracles to talk about as well as the Easter story. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear some music, and then we'll be right back with more Sunday School Dropouts. Bye. Bye.
Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we are talking about the Gospel according to Mark. Specifically, we are all about those miracles today. Yes. Webster's Dictionary defines (laughs) a miracle. Uh, Please don't uh, ruin our podcast, (laughs) Webster's Dictionary. Um, So we we went over uh, his his miracles. um, And now we're going to talk about... The last week of his life and uh, death and resurrection, a.k.a. the Easter story. Mm-hmm. So um, as we covered in Matthew, you know, um, comes into Jerusalem, uh, triumphal entry, palm fronds, uh, that's Palm Sunday. Uh, you know, it's it's Passover's about to start. So there's people making pilgrimages from all over Judea to the temple in Jerusalem mm-hmm. to do their uh, Passover stuffs. Hang out on Bourbon Street. Mm-hmm. Go to Senior Frogs. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the main deal with Passover. Right. As I understand it. Uh, yeah. Passover is spring break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and Jesus and his disciples stay the night in Bethany, which is a town just outside Jerusalem. Um, and then when they're walking back into into Jerusalem the next day, they pass a fig tree. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is hungry, so he goes to grab some figs. But it isn't fig season. So there are none. It literally says, like, it's not the season for figs. Mm -hmm. And he gets so angry that he curses the tree very personally. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. Mm -hmm. This has always been my favorite story about Jesus um, since I was really young. But only now am I realizing this might be a reference to some nasty fig boys. What? You know? Because, like... The tasty fig boys mm-hmm. are supposed to be the, the the righteous people who will rebuild right. Judah and like reunite with Israel. Maybe he he goes over to the tree looking for some symbolic tasty fig boys, like righteous uh, followers of God, uh-huh. and he doesn't find any. Yes. So then he gets mad. So I always like this story as well because it was one of the few weird stories from the Bible that I knew. Mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus cursed a fig tree because he was hungry and mm-hmm. it didn't have any figs on it. Mm-hmm. And then later he was like, Tells the, he tells the disciples next time they walk by the fig tree and it's all withered up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, this is what happens. You know, if you pray for it, you can move a mountain. Mm-hmm. And so I pray that that fig tree would wither because it provided no figs. And so it for has me, been destroyed. Jesus, yeah. who was hungry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now when I read it and I've got all of this bi- Bible knowledge uh-huh. floating around in, in my brain In pool, your Bible brain. Mm-hmm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, so... The fig tree is supposed to be Jerusalem, you know, and he's he's coming to it and it's and it looks like it's flowering or it looks like it's fruiting, mm-hmm. you know, and that he expects to find people of good faith there. Mm-hmm. But he finds none. Mm-hmm. And instead, yeah, he, he said he curses it and the temple will be destroyed. Yeah. Which it does. It gets destroyed in 70 or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> anyway, he's he's predicting he's predicting the ruin of Jerusalem. Yep. Spiritually speaking. So fig now boys. we got it. We figured it out. Fig boys. Yeah, it's it's all fig boy adjacent. That's that's all you need to know about the Bible. You need to know about fig boys mm-hmm. and, and water skiing on a colt and a donkey yes. at the same time. <laughs> um, so the reason this has always been my favorite story is um, that it humanizes him mm-hmm. um, because he's hangry. Yeah, because he's hangry, and also like he knows his crucifixion is coming up, so he's you know he's just like in a bad mood. <laughs> um, if he can work miracles, why not just make the tree sprout figs, True. you know? But he loses his temper. Um, and it's not because 
you know, someone's being sinful or, or ignorant or whatever. It's just like, it's not in anybody's control. It's just, it's not fig season. If right. it's anybody's fault, it's God's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God does, of course, know when the season's for all the things. Right. Are. And mm-hmm. Jesus should too, because he's from like a subsistence farming background. Um, But like, so the whole. Like, who's the real clown? <laughs> Jesus for expecting the figs to be there or the fig tree for. For just doing what fig trees do. Yeah. The whole deal with Jesus is that, like, I mean, part of the whole deal is that Jesus is the form that God took to experience, like, human suffering and and human temptation and some degree of human limitation. Mm. Um, The Jesus we build up sort of outside of the text is perfect, right? He's he's God himself. Sure. He can't sin. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sort of reduces his humanity to only physical suffering on the cross. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, I think it's really compelling if he's like, if he does experience temptation and does maybe commit a minor sin, like losing his temper Mm -hmm. on a tree, (laughs) you know? Um, and I find that a much more interesting way of thinking about God, like God coming down and being like, oh, wow, this is really hard. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been telling these people not to sin, but it's hard not to sin. Um, Especially when you've been on the road, haven't yeah. had anything to eat. Yeah. It's like, oh, I have to eat now. This is bullshit. And of like, course, everyone who has traveled knows that, that that moment when you're traveling and you're hungry, that's when that's the moment when your truest self is. Yeah, expressed. exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's that's why I like that story. I mean, yeah, surprise, surprise. I like the one that makes Jesus seem like a flawed literary character rather mm-hmm. than God, you know, whatever. Anyway, so he goes around Jerusalem. He's preaching, he's working miracles, he's getting uh, in lots of fights with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Right. We'll um, talk more about that next episode. One thing you need to know is that he does say he's going to tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days, mm-hmm. um, which he means metaphorically, but the priests sort of uh, deliberately pretend he means it literally in order to charge him with that crime later. So the end game sort of starts when the high priests... Uh, basically, in the text, it's just explained that the high priests have this plan to kill Jesus. Yes. But they don't want to do it during the celebration. During Passover, yeah. Because they need that positive PR, yeah. I guess. And probably also all that, that dove money. Mm-hmm. Got to get that dove money. Um, and they know that Jesus is very popular, mm-hmm. and so they don't want to piss off a huge crowd. Um, There's this scene where Jesus is in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. Mm-hmm. Um, and this unnamed woman comes in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. Oh, yeah. And she breaks it over Jesus's head to anoint him. Mm-hmm. And remember, Messiah literally means anointed one. Um, the word Christ is just the Greek translation of that. It literally means anointed one. This, of course, is the parable of treat yourself. <laughs> and, the, origin, um, the origin of, of treat yourself. Because, because his disciples come in and say, what are you doing? Why would you waste all this oil? Yeah. Well, it's not clear use... if it's the disciples or not. But, oh, okay. But, some, you know, the people who are around, probably including disciples. They say, why waste this expensive oil on your own skin when you could sell it and use that money to feed the hungry? Yeah. Um, and then the next paragraph mm-hmm. is when Judas goes to the, the high priests and and says, you know, like, I'll betray Jesus to you. Um. I'm not sure if that's just like, oh, that's the next step in the chronology or if it's supposed to be like Judas is so mad that they wasted this perfume Mm. that he's like, oh, Jesus is like a sham. That'd be interesting because Jesus's justification for it is 
He's like, I'm I'm here for a short amount of time. You only have like a, a another couple days to interact with the son of God. Right. You know, and the poor will always be with you, mm-hmm. which is weird. It's definitely not um, not in keeping with the humility that Jesus shows in some other uh, passages, but it does it does line up with other passages where he he does glorify himself as the son of God. And it also, I guess, exemplifies his teachings, which is that to follow him, you give up everything valuable that you own. Yes. Which is what this woman did, I guess. She had a sweet nard jar yeah. going on. <laughs> that's like her nest egg. Yeah. I mean, that's her retirement nard. <laughs> and she just cracks that sucker right over the top of his head, yeah. uses it all at the same time. So then, um, then we get to the Last Supper. So this is the first day of Passover. So they're eating, you know... Like matzo. Sure. Uh, I always think of, you know, in the Renaissance paintings, there's these big, beautiful, like Italian baguettes, but mm. it would actually be like a pita or whatever. It would be flatbread because I'm not allowed to use yeast. Um, and Jesus says, you know, the bread is my body um, and the wine is my blood mm-hmm. um, that's uh, shed for you. The disciples don't know that the crucifixion is coming, so this probably seems a little weird to them. Some of them do. <laughs> Doesn't he? He tells he tells Peter. He tells all of them, mm. but they don't believe him. Oh, and they they yeah, they fight back. And he says like someone in this room is going to betray me, and everyone's like no. And it's like well, Judas already did, so yeah. <laughs> like chill out, Judas. Yeah. And then he says like, and Peter's like no, like I would I would never let that happen, you know. It's and like before the crow calls, before the cock, cock crows, crows, yeah, before the crow cocks. <laughs> You will deny me three times. Yeah. And Peter's like, no, I'd rather die. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, yeah, uh, like, chill out. <laughs> you think, like, you think I don't know what's about to happen, like. He's a precog. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm a precog, Peter. <laughs> Do you know what a precog is? Um, and Cues you a future so- crime. <laughs> After dinner, um, Jesus takes his three closest disciples, which is... Um, Peter, James, and John, mm-hmm. goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. the original Olive Garden. Yep. Um, and he knows that his crucifixion is just about to happen. And so he he tells the three disciples to like stand watch while he goes and prays. Yeah, because this is his moment of greatest temptation, right? This yeah. This is the moment where he has to put it all on the line, that he knows he's going to endure horrible physical suffering, but for the glorification of God. And God and indeed for the salvation of humanity. Although that doctrine is not completely solidified yet when Mark is written. So if he has any doubts, these are the moments that he's having doubts. Yeah. And he says, in fact, well, he addresses God as Abba, which means father, mm-hmm. um, which is like a very familiar, you know, like normally when. Papa. <laughs> yeah. It's like Papa. Like if you're praying, you would normally say like my Lord or whatever. Sure. Like, you know, Baruch Adonai, not, not like Abba. Yeah. And he's like, look, your will be done. But could I please not get crucified? Yeah. Is there any other way we could do this? <laughs> and so he, he prays for an hour and then he comes back and his disciples have fucking fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you guys, can you just stay awake for one hour? I'm trying to pray to not be crucified and I don't want to get fucking arrested. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. It's like this is a critical moment in the story, yeah. guys. <laughs> so then he goes back to pray again. And when he comes back, they've fallen asleep again. And he's like, guys, seriously? I'm not asking that much of you. Just like drink a cup of coffee, like pinch yourself, you know, mm-hmm. stay awake, play cards. I don't know. Goes back to pray again and they fall asleep. And in fact, that's when the, the guards arrive and he has no warning. 
Um, but he knows he knows it's happening when it happens. Right. Uh, do you think this is fallout from all of those all-nighters rowing back and forth across that lake? Yeah, maybe they were sleep-deprived. <laughs> maybe they were like, look, we were up at 3 in the morning. You were walking on water. Why didn't you just do that at midnight? Yeah. We could have uh, gone to the other side. We could have been asleep. Their circadian rhythms are all fucked yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> they're, all, they're all just chilling with like tomb dwellers mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Stressful. That is stressful because they very creppy. Um, yeah, so the, the police arrive. Well, it's like the, the Jewish, you know, sort of like priestly police, mm-hmm. um, not not the Roman police um, with Judas and, and his sign to them. You know, he's going to go up and he's like, OK, the guy who I go up and kiss. That's um, Jesus. That's Jesus. So arrest him. Goes up and he's like, oh, rabbi, and kisses him. Which is weird because earlier it said, like, wherever he, wherever Jesus goes, the crowds recognize him. I also thought that was odd. But he had just gotten to Jerusalem, like, a week before. Yeah, but he had been consistently spending time with the Pharisees and fighting with them. So you'd think they would recognize him. But whatever. Judas kisses him. It's a big betrayal. Important to the story. Um, And then, so the priests seize him and arrest him. And it says someone... Presumably one of the three disciples that's there um, draws his sword and cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, put your sword away. This is how it's got to go down. Yes. Also, in the book of Mark, for some reason, it says there's a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment. And when Jesus is arrested, he he flees, leaving his garment behind and he flees naked. Who the fuck is this guy? Why <laughs> Why is he naked? Why was he there? Who is he? Some sort of unforeseen boy. <laughs> Some sort of unforeseen boy. Anyway, they take him before the high priest. Um, and that young, that naked man grew up to be? A naked boy. <laughs> he mm. Benjamin buttoned it. Oh, no. <laughs> Threw some of that Jesus juice. Jesus's weirdest miracle. <laughs> Jesus's weirdest miracle. That's my dissertation <laughs> title. Um. So, yeah, he gets taken before the high priests. They say, you know, are you the Messiah? He says, yes, that's blasphemy. Um, and it's also treason. So that means they get to turn him in to the Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Peter's like outside in the yard of the high priest's house, the high priest's Caiaphas. And the servant girl comes up to him and she's like, oh, hey, like, aren't you one of the friends of that guy in there? And he's like, no. And she's like, really? Because like you have like the same accent as him. Like you're both from Galilee. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, no. I never you're met the guy. Crusty and dirty. Yeah. <laughs> um. Except he, the other guy has like a entire jar of perfume on him, so he smells <laughs> a little weird. Reeks um, of nard. You know, and she asks him one last time, are you sure? And he's like, and it says, like he gets really upset and it says he starts calling down curses upon himself. I'm not sure what that like. I think he's just, he's just disavowing just, Jesus strongly. So strongly, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then of course the rooster crows. And then he's like, oh. <laughs> so when he said those words, I was supposed to interpret them literally. literally. <laughs> this was just a few hours ago. I probably should have paid more attention. Sleep deprivation, though. It's real. Um, then they bring Jesus before Pontius Pilate. Mm-hmm. That's P-I-A or P-I-L-A-T-E, not like the pilot of a plane. I do think when we open our crucifix, Jim... We got to put a Pontius Pilates class in there. Pontius Pilates. Um, anyway, he's the Roman governor. Wash your hands of weak cores. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
he did exist in real life. He was the Roman governor. Um, but basically, the only thing we know about him is that he was extremely brutal and like loved crucifying Jews. Mm. So this story that we're about to hear is probably not historically accurate, but whatever. So Pilate asks him, you know, are you going around saying you're king of the Jews? And Jesus is, I like Jesus's tactic here. It's basically like, I don't know. Do you think I am? <laughs> what do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is something that's pretty common. There's there's a lot of people claiming to be the Messiah mm-hmm. in the decades before and after Jesus. And the, Rome crucifies them all. Um. And the Bible says there's this custom to release a Jewish prisoner during Passover. Right. That's probably not just like Mardi Gras. <laughs> just like Mardi Gras. They're like, spring break 33, woo! <laughs> release a prisoner. Yep. Um, yeah, so that that's probably not historically accurate, but whatever. Um, the priests get the crowd to uh, ask to have Barabbas released. There are two Jesuses available. Oh, there he's Jesus Barabbas. Yes. Ah, oh, well, I mean, it is it is a common name, Yeshua. Yeah. I suppose that's supposed to like further identify Jesus with, you know, the, the thieves and the and the lowest well, element of society. What's right? weird is that I always grew up like learning Barabbas is a murderer, mm-hmm. um, and like, oh, these these priests are so evil that they would rather release a murderer, mm-hmm. you know, than Jesus. Um, but it, in the text, it actually says that. He's in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. Oh, wow. So he's he's another political prisoner? He's another political prisoner. Oh. um, Which makes it even less likely that Pilate would release him, you know. Yeah. But that's how the story goes. Um, You know, he's he's not like a murderer murderer. He's like another messianic leader type of guy. Really? I thought he was. Oh, it's. Or maybe he's just a follower of a different messiah. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's not as popular with G- with the crowd as Jesus at the beginning. At the beginning. But the priests whip up the crowd right. for Barabbas. Um, and then Pilate's like, are you sure? It's a grassroots campaign. <laughs> it's Actually, it's a fucking AstroTurf campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pilate's like, are you sure you don't want to release Jesus? He's seems, very hot. Seems like a good guy. I don't know. <laughs> um, and this is a direct quote from the text. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. <laughs> Why? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. It's like the script of a movie. Like it really zooms yeah. in, you know. Um. So Pilate releases Barabbas, hands Jesus over to the soldiers. The soldiers mock him by putting a purple robe and a crown of thorns on him. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, say, oh, look at the king of the Jews now. Yeah. Um. But then they take off the robe and, and crown, and- I assume, to use on the next guy. Yeah, probably. Well, you got to be like naked to be humiliated on right. the cross. So, and they beat him and, and flog him, and he's bleeding, etc. Um, and like I said last episode, the real life Jesus probably was crucified. Mm. So, I mean, this this did happen to him and to lots and lots and lots of other people in ancient Rome. Yeah, it's horrifying. It's very horrifying. Um, and what happens is when you're crucified, you have to carry your cross to the spot where you're going to go up. Um, but Jesus is too weak. After being beaten so savagely, mm-hmm. so he he can't carry the cross the whole way. So they like grab this guy off the street whose name is Simon, another Simon, mm-hmm. um, who carries it for him to a Golgotha, which means a place of the skull. My Bible uh, has a helpful footnote here. Uh, it may have been a small hill that looked like a skull, or it may have been so named because of the many executions that took place there. 
I, hmm. I thought it was going to be like. Which do you think is more likely? <laughs> like Jesus goes up on the cross and there's a robber on either side of him because this is just, you know, the place where people get crucified. Why do you think it got the nickname? I don't know. It's probably just a hill. It's probably famous for its, you know, small restaurants, for its winding streets. And, <laughs> and they called it Place of the Skull mm-hmm. because so many hipsters had like, a, you That's know, right. a Jolly Roger mm-hmm. tattoo there. So gentrified. Um, they offer him wine with myrrh in it, mm-hmm. which um, I guess is like a numbing I'm told agent. it gets you high AF. <laughs> it's the opposite. No. It okay. numbs you. Okay. Apparently this is standard procedure, but Jesus refuses it because, mm-hmm. you know, he's got to feel all the pain. Got to keep that pain pure, yeah. baby. It's got to be a diva about it. The executioners uh, cast lots to see who will get his clothing mm-hmm. because that's part of how they get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a grisly business. Yeah. And they write the crime he's committed on top of the cross, um, which is in this book, it's, you know, the quote is king of the Jews. Um, it's slightly different in each gospel. Um Tradition has settled on Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, which in That's I N R I. In Latin it's Jesus Nazarenus Rex Eudeorum. Uh, okay. Beautiful pronunciation. <laughs> Thanks. Eudeorum. Um yeah, and then it's abbreviated to I N R I. So mm. if you ever see like a, a crucifix with Inri at the top, or if you're ever doing a crossword puzzle and mm-hmm. it asks you about letters on the cross. A crossword puzzle. That's mm-hmm. where that Oh, nice. Oh man. We have another business opportunity here. Crosswords? Yeah, crosswords. Christian-based crossword puzzles. <sighs> but they're already called crosswords. Crusoe-words. Just like crusoe words Yeah, crusoe-words. It's not bad. Not bad. We'll workshop yeah, it. Yeah, we'll workshop it. Um, nail him to the cross, and it's it's like humiliation is heaped upon him mm-hmm. uh, in addition to the physical suffering. So, you know, like the crowd is like, oh, like he said he was going to tear down the temple. Like he said he was the son of God. Mm-hmm. And now he can't even like save himself. Um, there are two robbers crucified with him, like I mentioned, one to the right, one to the left. They don't do anything in this right. gospel, but they do in some other ones. What did they do in Matthew? I think one of them just like talked shit. One of them talked shit and one of them is like, yo. This guy's the son of God. Like, we're just robbers. We deserve to die. Mm-hmm. But this guy's the real deal. And then Jesus is like, oh, You're God. coming to heaven? Yeah, you're coming you're to heaven. You're not. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Just in case you didn't get the whole message before, let me just distill it down to one scene for you. Yeah. Um, at noon, darkness falls for three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of that, Jesus cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, here's a direct. Is that quote. supposed to be a, a moment of doubt as well? You know, I, I think so. I think it's supposed to be like very humanizing and like like this suffering is so intense, and this is what Jesus did for for us. Like he went through this just. But that moment when he says, "Why have you forsaken me?" Yeah, it's like the suffering is so intense that he believes that God has forsaken him. Right. You know, obviously, when this was first written, like. Um, he he was not yet thought to be God himself. Like mm-hmm. this this gospel is written after he's believed to be the son of God, but maybe not quite God himself. So it would make sense that there would be some knowledge that, that he didn't have. Yes. Like the and exact it, moment of his ascension or whatever. Yes. And well, that, that comes later, but yeah. And that God like could forsake him. Right? Sure. Like w- when the Trinity is solidified, this doesn't make sense. And it's always been, it was always very troubling to me as a, as a young Christian. Theologically minded young girl. Because I was like, well, he is God himself so how so could he not how know? could how could he forsake himself right you know um but i do like it 
now. Now that I don't have to worry about reconciling it with with doctrine, I really like it. It's good for the scene. It it creates this tension that like maybe he didn't. Maybe at that moment he was like, no, it's it's not going to happen. You know, and and just like imagine how fucking painful that would have been mm. to be like, I'm devoting my life to God. I'm like, you know, saving people. That's my whole deal. And now I've just gone through the most intense suffering possible and God doesn't even care. Mm -hmm. You know, like that. It would be impossible not to doubt at that moment, right. you know, because like you're awaiting your death. Yeah. And you don't know exactly when it's going to happen. Direct quote that happens here when he when he yells this, it says one man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Mm -hmm. I am unclear if this is supposed to be helpful. Or if it's literally the harshest prank in recorded history. I think it's supposed to be helpful. Okay. It's supposed to be sour wine. <laughs> okay. Because I'm like, well, he's like, oh, here's some water, Jesus. Feel better. And it's like fucking vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's supposed to be helpful, but maybe it's not. <laughs> I, I, like, I think it's supposed to be helpful, but also everyone around him is like humiliating him in this scene. Mm, so, that's true. I don't know. But his followers are there too. Yeah. But it doesn't say if it's a follower. It just says one man. Anyway, with a loud cry. Jesus breathed his last. Um, the curtain of the temple tears in two. Um, a Roman centurion who's watching says this. He's like, oh, this has to be God's son. Mm -hmm. I'm not clear why. Because I mean, I guess maybe it's the three hours. Shot, maybe. maybe the three hours of darkness tipped him up. <laughs> yeah. The longest eclipse in, in history. Yeah. Um, and also watching are Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, and someone named Salome, who is probably the mother of the other James. Sure. Um. Presumably not the Salome who demanded John the Baptist's head on a platter. That although would be surprising. That would be a big uh, character development. That would. <laughs> um, so like the male disciples sold Jesus out, said they didn't know him, mm -hmm. and they're not even here. And meanwhile, their moms are like sticking it out to the end. I mean, they're just outsourcing the emotional labor to women. To, to their moms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to do laundry. You know, you have to cook for your son and you got to fucking witness Jesus's excruciating suffering firsthand mm -hmm. um so now in the bible this guy joseph of arimathea who's a prominent high priest um asks Pilate to release jesus's body to him mm -hmm. and puts it in a tomb his tomb um joseph's yeah. tomb his yeah life. his I, like family tomb. yeah uh very big part of the jesus story <laughs> uh but in real life jesus probably was crucified but probably not put in a tomb because part of the deal when you get crucified you get thrown in like mask or no you get pinned up outside the walls you never right? get buried right you your body stays up there and it gets eaten by dogs and vultures and stuff mm. um it's very unlikely that a high priest in particular would ask for jesus body because that's who he's been fighting and that's who had him arrested and executed um and that's totally not kosher to mess around with dead bodies either that's true too um, and also, uh, all we know about Pontius Pilate is that he loved crucifying people all the time. So it seems unlikely that he would have granted this request. But um, yeah, so in real life, Jesus' body was probably eaten by dogs. When I read this mm -hmm. in, it was in Bart Ehrman's book, Did Jesus Exist? It was the strangest thing. I felt so deeply offended. Really? Yes. Like I have not believed in Jesus for like, I don't know, 10 years at this point. And I was instantly like, you cannot say that about Jesus. He was not eaten by dogs. <laughs> um, I guess I still have a little, <laughs> I still have a little Christian in me somewhere. 
but in any case, in the Bible, he gets buried in the tomb. Uh, they roll a big rock over the entrance. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, very That's where we get the name move. Rolling Rock, of yeah, course. Yes, that's where we get rock and roll music. Uh, I assume that's to keep out dogs and vultures. Um, and also, I guess, grave robbers. Yeah. Um, and the two Marys and Salome go to the tomb with spices to anoint Jesus's body. But when they get there, they see the stone is rolled away and uh, a young man in a white robe is sitting there. And they were alarmed, it, the, the text says. He said to them, do not be alarmed. <laughs> you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. And he says, go tell, go tell his disciples. Mm-hmm. And the women are scared and run away. And, quote, they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. In the earliest manuscripts of Mark, that's the end of the book. That's the early ending, yeah. What the fuck? That's an awesome ending. That's a terrible ending. It's so incomplete. But it leaves so much mystery. Jesus is raised. And and question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Keep it open for that sequel. So, but then there's the last few verses that, that have made it into the canon. And they do seem like to come from a different source, mm. right? Because it starts out, the last few verses start, when Jesus rose early... On the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. And then, like, she goes and tells the disciples. So mm-hmm. that contradicts what we just heard. Right. Um, uh, you could mash them together and make them work if you want, which is what, you know, Christians have done over the years. But they clearly weren't written, like, as part of one story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so now in this new ending, Mary Magdalene tells the disciples, but they don't believe her. Um, Jesus appears to two other disciples. It doesn't say who. And uh, they tell the rest of the disciples, but again, they don't believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he appears to all the disciples together, scolds them for not believing that he had risen from the dead and tells them to go spread the word. Uh, and, quote, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Also, he says, uh, you'll know a true believer because they'll be able to drive out demons, speak in tongues, mm-hmm. pick up snakes with their hands, drink poison. And uh, heal people by laying hands on them. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus ascends into heaven where he sits on the right hand of God and, quote, the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And that is the end of the book of Mark. Let's rate the book. How would you rate this book, my dear? I'm going to give it seven out of ten uh, tomb-dwelling creepers. Tomb-dwelling creepers? Yeah. Frankensteins? Yeah. Mm. Seven out of ten demon Frankensteins. Got it. Um, I think I do like it a little less than Matthew. I, I'm interested, you know, it's, it's interesting that it's earlier Mm -hmm. and therefore like a little bit more like quote unquote closer to the metal. Yeah. A little Uh quote unquote authentic. Um, but it's still, you know, not like a firsthand account. So it's not that much more interesting that way. And definitely Matthew just adds so much more detail and, Mm -hmm. and narrative, uh, uh, meat. So, yeah, 7 out of 10. I think I'm going to give it 9 out of 13 Sleepy Apostles. Oh. For many of the same reasons. I like the language in Matthew better. Um, the overall thrust of the story is the same. And so it's still got these these anchor points, which I feel like are the, the key of the story. So it's still, and it's still a strong story. And of course, it's very similar to Matthew because it's like Matthew is based on it. So. Right. Well, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. I do like that it's it's pretty spare you know it's shorter and and tighter but you do lose some of the flourish in the language Mm -hmm. 
uh, and you lose some of the nice details like you were talking about. But you get some strange stuff too. It's it's a little stranger. It's got a little bit more of a a weird mystical vibe. Yes, I think that's true. It's a little more like folk tale-y. Mm. Just a little. Just a little bit, which which I like. Uh, and that explains my rating. No questions asked. Uh, okay, I won't ask any questions. Thank you. Let's move on to the mailbag. Okay, let's hit that bag. We just had one letter this week. It's a very long and extremely charming email from uh, listeners Matt and Tori, who apparently ask themselves each Sunday, uh, is this the day that we get drunk enough to send Nico and Lauren an email? And uh, we say you do not have to be drunk to do that, although it did make this email a lot better. <laughs> uh, they live in California, uh, but they have Midwest Presby roots. I'm happy to hear from some fellow ex-Presbos. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Matt's parents are from Pennsylvania, and they use the needs washed construction. Excellent construction. One of my favorite regional linguistic quirks. Um, and they actually signed up for iTunes just to give us a rating of two attitude chuckle fucks lighting the wrong incense. They also have a very adorable and bad cat named Himiko, a.k.a. Meeks, who requires a curse. Uh, Meeks, you will be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. You will be salted with fire. Damn, that's salty. (laughs) And that will do it for today's episode of Sunday School Dropouts. You can follow us on Twitter at SunSchoolDrop. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled with an A like Shaquille spells it. If you want to send us mail, sober or drunk, but or both. take care of yourself. Schrodinger's alcohol. You can do it by emailing us at contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. Um, and our website is sundayschooldropouts.lol. Um, our Facebook is Sunday School Dropouts. Uh, what else? Maybe, uh, maybe you could leave us a little... Review on iTunes? You can leave us a review on iTunes. It's very helpful to get other people to find the show. And if we get 100 of them, Nico will be forced to join Twitter. I had forgotten about that promise, but it's still valid. (laughs) You can also be like the beautiful and bright human beings who left us reviews on iTunes, like Isaac137, who gave us 8 out of 8 nasty fig boys. An uncovered foot, who gave us 23rd face palm. Oh, and he wrote like a, a psalm. Uh, like Nico and Lorna are my shepherds, I shall not want except for the first or except for the next episode. That's cute. I give that review five stars. <laughs> you could be like Becky Reads, who described us as funny, even to a church lady. Hello, six and- out of six casseroles. <laughs> happy- Thanks, Becky, and happy listener eighty-five, who gave us three out of three skateboarding crab scorpions. We also have uh, if Apple is Apple, I'm a peach, who gave us eighty-two out of a hundred reviews for Nico's twittering, trying, mm-hmm. trying to get to a hundred. Uh, Yako Meg, who gave us infinity out of infinity worshippers of Baal. Not sure that math checks out, but thank you very much. Wow, the worshippers of Baal have really come up in the world. Um, Yeo716, who is also a former Presbyterian turned atheist named Lauren. Hello. We must either battle to the death or join forever in a holy union. Uh, give us five out, of fe- five out of five clean feet. And uh, then we've got Tina626, who gave us 17 out of 17 Babylonian exile summaries. Girl, I'm sorry that I did that 17 times. I felt like I had to. I don't know. Okay. Thank you so much. That will be it for this week. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we will see you on Sunday. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.